When buying a new mattress, there seems to be endless options from different sizes, firmness, springs or no springs, memory foam or no foam, and the list goes on. But one thing's for sure, mattresses can be expensive. Prices range from anywhere from the low end to the high end. It's an industry known for its traditional brick and mortar business model. However, it's changed drastically over the past decade. Between 2015 and 2018, about 50 direct-to-consumer brands entered the market each year, drawing some market share away from legacy bed makers like Tempur Sealy and Sander Simmons. However, legacy brands still lead the way. Tempur Sealy is approaching 40% market share. The industry overall did see some rapid encroachment from the direct-to-consumer side, going back to around like 2015, 2016. Over the last 10 years, the mattress industry hasn't been able to reach its height of $10.2 billion in revenue since 2013, as demand domestically has seen little growth. Disruptors like Casper, Purple, and Sattva allowed customers to buy beds outside the traditional retail model, something legacy brands had uniquely relied on for decades. They want their margin, the retailer wants their margin, the manufacturer wants their margin, the consumer was getting stuck in the middle, and so when we launched, we just wanted to eliminate all of that. The cost of a mattress relies on two things, the materials used in making the mattress and the methods by which customers buy it. For a mattress in the $1,800 range, some profit margins can be anywhere from 30% to 50% or even higher. The cost of making a mattress fluctuates based on commodity prices. Take steel for example. Steel is used for the bed's inner spring. Between 2017 and 2022, steel prices increased by 16%. However, those numbers are expected to decrease by the end of 2023. It starts with you know, our coil units. So there are two ways to make a coil unit. One is to take your, your, your melted steel and electric shock it, and that's basically your cheap way of making it. When you see mattresses that are 399, those coil units just are not made for longevity. This is Ron Rudson, CEO of the direct-to-consumer brand Safa, that launched in 2010. According to Safa, it has sustained profitability for 11 out of its 13 years it's been in business. And it's pacing for $400 million in top-line revenue in 2023. The way we do it, which is we temper the steel. This is melted steel rod. We temper them. Then we oven bake the units. And that is the premium way to make a coil. The process of making a traditional bed all starts here, with raw materials spanning wall to wall, such as foam and cotton, that's eventually rolled into mattress covers you see here. From this point, covers and other corresponding materials are cut to size and passed along to hand stitchers who handle putting the mattress covers together and stitching the borders together. All the foam pieces of the mattress are organized on a belt where employees from start to finish arrange the various layers of each specific bed tailored to a customer's order. We use an encasement. We want to make sure that we have edge support. So when you sit on the edge of the bed and that you can use all the space on the bed, we have an edge support unit that goes around. The coils get put inside, the layers of foam get uh, put in. From there, the bed, its foam, and coil pieces are stitched together and sent to the end of the line. That's where some of the beds are tufted, a process that essentially stitches all the layers together securely, and then sent to packaging, where each bed is inspected, wrapped, and then put on the truck for delivery. Mattresses are generally high profit margin items, but that is changing. Over the last couple of years during COVID, you know, we had a couple of price hikes in steel and foam and chemicals. It's, it is now simmered. We, we definitely had, you know, supply chain issues. But uh, yeah, no, commodities prices, we're watching them regularly. You know, we're part of the inflation story like everyone else. Uh, but again, to me, uh, it's always about operating efficiently. That's done by avoiding the traditional business model. 
direct-to-consumer brands like Sattva, Casper, and Purple all emerged from necessity. The bed-buying industry was known to be inundated by customer confusion, pricing tactics by retailers, and limited competition. Traditionally, buying a bed was a daunting task, and that was all by design. As far as the pain points that consumers experienced historically in terms of their shopping for mattresses, really there are three main categories, I would say. Number one is the in-store experience. Number two is the products. The products themselves are uh, hard to differentiate from one another. And the third thing was the pricing. Michael Magnuson created GoodBed.com in 2008 to help ease some of the pain of choosing the right mattress. So there was a lot of games uh, related to pricing historically in this industry. The biggest one, uh, maybe most well-known one, is what, what I call the name game, where they would sell the same mattress in different stores under different names with also different covers, just to add a little bit to the complexity and confusion. And but they also did things like market up to market down, you know, like let's take this price, the thing that we intend to sell for a thousand, let's pretend like we would normally sell it for 3000 and then mark it down to 1000. For decades, influential brands perfected the art of selling mattresses in stores to get the most for their products. As these companies know, once you buy a mattress, you're unlikely to buy another one for eight to 10 years. Customers looking for a new bed were likely met by three major brands. The three brands that are Pretty well known, but they're confusing because they all start with S. So it's it's Sealy, Serta, and it's Simmons. These major brands would use a licensing approach, where manufacturers would get a license to one of these S brands and develop a product specific to retailers in a region. Licensed manufacturers would then make similar products, with many different names stamped on the beds sold to other retailers nationwide, thus creating customer confusion and pressure when deciding which mattress to buy since that specific bed would only be found at that particular retailer. The retailers had different discounts and prices on these beds. So a bed that was technically the same at one retailer could be much more or much less expensive at another. And there was virtually no way to know. This practice was widespread as the top S brands had little to no competition. Profit margins were incredibly high, anywhere from 50% and in some cases, 900%. So Consumers, this was not lost on them. <laughs> they knew that there were games being played and that they were the victim. And so those, those three pain points were, were significant. But that all started to change in the early 2010s, as consolidation of major brands and the acquisition of private equity companies began shifting the industry. Tempur-Pedic acquired Sealy in 2012 for $1.3 billion. In that same year, private equity firm Advent International acquired a majority interest in national betting company the majority owner and licensee of Serta and Simmons. By just a year later, they controlled 65% of the market. Private equity money entered the mattress space and they began to buy out these parent companies and then they bought out the licensees and they kind of rolled everything up into a single ownership structure. So over time, the, uh, there has been some, that we call it SKU rationalization because some of these parent companies would have 25, 30,000 different SKUs to all these different retailers. They've tried to simplify it a little bit. They've also simplified the overall pricing. So the price at one retailer is gonna be the same price at, a, at another one. In the 2010s, bed in the box companies began popping up everywhere. So what happened was the e-commerce guys came in and they essentially came up with some, it wasn't really product innovation, it was business model innovation. Multi-million dollar marketing campaigns aimed at potential customers delivered on one message. With no overhead costs of a middleman, expensive storefronts and labor, brands would pass off the savings to customers by shipping directly to them. 
I think Casper and, and Purple and a lot of these companies, as they put money out there to advertise, it really, it, it tuned people into the idea of, hey, I could buy a mattress online. At the same time, from a marketing standpoint, they came out with a story that really attacked those three pain points, right? So the story, remember the pain points were the in-store experience, the product confusion, and the pricing. And they basically came up with a story that said, hey, you are being harassed, you're being lied to, and you're being cheated. And we are your savior. <laughs> As for brands like Satva, a non-bed-in-the-box direct-to-consumer company, relying solely on e-commerce allowed the company to sell luxury mattresses at a lower price point, even when the cost of material rises. If you take away the brick and mortar piece of it and sharing your profits with another retailer, you can sell that same product or better um, for, like I said, uh, over a over thousand dollars less. You know, it's at least as good as any bed that you'll see on the market in the $3,000 range that we're selling for $1,600, $1,700. Um, and that's only because of our business model. E-commerce shopping for mattresses during the early 2010s was relatively new. And at the time, according to a survey conducted by GoodBeds.com, roughly 98% of potential bed buyers felt the need to go to a store and test out a bed before buying. But as direct-to-consumer brands continued to press the message, consumers started to take notice. It was less than 1% of people buying mattresses online in 2010. Then you fast forward to 22, and it's about 21%. And, you know, again, we're doing $4 billion online. Investments into these brands flooded the market. In its first year, Casper raised $55 million in venture capital and utilized the bulk of that money in marketing and advertising. The industry leaders saw their market share quickly take a hit as an estimated 225 new direct-to-consumer companies began popping up from 2015 to 2018. The biggest mattress company, Temper Sealy, saw net sales decrease by more than 14% over that time span. And its stock wavered during that time, dipping to $10.35 in October 2018, its lowest closing price since near the end of 2012. The explosive growth of direct-to-consumer brands has plateaued in recent years. And as for existing direct-to-consumer brands with big hopes, things haven't looked so great. But what has happened since about 2019 is that we've seen a lot of attrition. So of that 225, probably 100 are gone. So I would say the total number now is, is closer to 125. There has been some consolidation on top of that. So we, within the 125, they're not 125 separate owners the way they might have been 10, you know, five, seven years ago. Net sales of Temper Sealy picked back up as the pandemic left some Americans with more cash in their pockets through incoming stimulus funds, unemployment benefits, and increase in savings. It, it is economically sensitive as a big ticket item, so individual years can be quite volatile. We tend to think about the mattress industry over the long term growing at about a 5% sales caker. The industry did phenomenally well um, during the second half of 2020 and quite well in 2021. In recent years, Sentiment from Wall Street has shifted for the bed and box brands as Casper was taken private in 2022, just two years after its IPO. As for Purple, the company has been in the midst of a proxy fight from activist investors. While the mattress industry saw gains in 2020 and 2021, in 2022, record-breaking inflation has caused consumers to put big-ticket items like purchasing a new mattress on the back burner. Mattress sales to me are always the canary in the coal line on the consumer. So when you see gas prices spike up, stock market crash, global conflict breaks out, something, mattress sales slow. 
and they're usually the first category within consumer to be slow. We saw this a year ago in March of 2022. Ukraine war breaks out in late February. Gas prices started to spike up in early March. Mattress sales immediately slowed, and you had companies like Tempur-Sealy, Sleep Number, were pre-announcing negative quarterly results for Q1 because of that one month of weak sales. In 2022, Tempur-Sealy saw net sales, operating income, and net income all fall by 12.7%, 41.3%, and 42.2%, respectively. Legacy companies like Tempur-Sealy have expanded their business from traditional retail model to more of an e-commerce platform to better compete with newer companies. And while legacy brands are moving online, direct-to-consumer brands are moving into retail stores. All the online brands that came into the market with the premise of, hey, going to a store is a terrible experience and we are saving you from that. You should never go into a store. Pretty much all of them are now selling through physical stores. And a lot of them, in most cases, it's not just their own stores, it's also partner stores, traditional mattress retailers, essentially. The future of the mattress industry's health all teeters on consumer confidence. But as inflation is impacting the price of materials, the cost of a mattress could go up. 